0: Please proceed. Our reading from God's word this morning is taken from the Epistle to the Hebrews, and we're going to read in chapter 9 from verse 15 to verse 28. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one, he entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now... He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very
1: much, Milton, for reading that uh, great reading so well, and um, it's very nice to be with you all this morning. Uh, Firstly, let me just say something to the St. Stephen's Church family about next week. We're going to uh, make decisions about what we're doing um, in the future once we've heard from the government in terms of the alert levels, so it seemed a bit... Uh, premature to make decisions now before we know what's going to happen so we'll wait to hear and then we'll make some decisions and we'll let people know as soon as we can Uh, I think there's some things going around there Uh, so that was the first thing I wanted to say the second thing is uh, just to let people at home know what's happened here is we've lost the powerpoint there is no powerpoint that's a great disappointment for two reasons one, we just sang a song with more lyrics in it than any other song ever made in the history of the world so it was quite silent from this particular room. Secondly, for the first time ever, I'd, I'd prepared a really good PowerPoint presentation to go with the sermon. Who believes that? Yeah, no one, no one believes that. That's not true. That's not true. <clears throat> Let me pray, and then we'll, um, we'll think on the, the, the question that Luke reminded us of at the beginning, and, uh, and think a little of the reading that Milton just brought us as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and the chance to be together. Whether it's in person here in this place or whether it's through your spirit as we, uh, all of us, are praying together, singing your praises, sitting under your word. We pray that your spirit, who dwells within us, might now help us think on this, uh, this question that's been raised and this really important issue. We pray, Father, that as a result of this time spent together reflecting on your word, you'd give us a deeper appreciation of yourself, a greater understanding of your plans and purposes a deeper love for your son, the Lord Jesus, and that by doing that you would make us more into his likeness. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Luke said at the beginning of the service, we're still in this series on tough questions, uh, looking at questions people often have about or perhaps against the Christian faith. And uh, as Luke said at the beginning, and I I think this as well, last week... I think this is a good thing to do. This is a good series for us to do because the questions that people have about Christianity are often their concerns or problems uh, with Christianity. And uh, we've all got them. The the most natural way of understanding this series is that these are questions that non-Christians have when they're thinking about the Christian faith and they ask questions of it. And there's a truth to that. And uh, as I said last week, if you're a non-Christian with us this morning, I, I hope you're thinking about this. But it's also good for us as Christians. For two reasons. One, because we're asked the question by our non-Christian friends and family. It's great for us to have thought about it and be able to speak to it, but we also wrestle with it. Luke said that this morning, and I think it's true. We don't necessarily always uh, advertise that. We don't always necessarily admit that, but we, we go through times when we have these questions. So this is a good series. It's good for us to be able to talk openly about these sorts of things. However, again, as Luke indicated at the beginning, Although the series is good, this question is odd. This is not my question. This is a question given to me. In fact, someone out here came up with this question. Who wrote this question? That's what I would like to know. I've got to be honest, I find this question a little weird. At its heart, it's about sin, and I get that. Lots of people struggle with Christians talking about sin all the time. I totally get that, and I'll talk about it in a moment. So that makes sense to me. But here's the question, and you tell me about the oddness of it. Why are Christians always banging on about sin? Why should I even care about God? Odd, because I'm not sure I'd ever use the phrase banging on about. Uh, In fact, I'll probably use different phrasing in this particular talk. But also strange because it's two questions. And I'm not quite sure of the connection. The connection's not obvious between the two, for me at least. Why are Christians always... Going on about sin, why should I even care about God? So, my plan is, and I want to say it up right now, is to spend my time on the first question because it's the key one. And if I get time on the second one, I'll just say something about it just very briefly uh, right at the end. But time is of an issue this morning because when it's a question on sin, that's a massive topic. That's a huge thing to speak about. One of the problems of speaking about things which are big is if you just speak about it in a snapshot, you can give wrong impressions, and it can cause more difficulty than good. So I'm worried about that this morning. I want to make very clear this is not an exhaustive treatment on sin or the question before us. At the very most, what I'm hoping to do is share a few thoughts I hope will be helpful. The first thing I want to do in that is to give an acknowledgement. Why do Christians always go on about sin? That question is sometimes asked, not because we always go on about it, but because of the way we go on about it. I want to acknowledge that sometimes we as Christians do this in a bad way, in an unhelpful way. We sometimes talk about sin in a moralistic, superior way, judging those that we're talking to. And that is awful. What that does is gets people's back up. It makes us appear as if we are looking down on others and as if, and it fulfills all the holier than thou stereotypes that people have about Christians. When Christians go on about sin in that kind of way, it's terrible and there's no justification for it. And it ultimately, the tragedy is, it ultimately puts people off Jesus. And it doesn't put people off Jesus because of Jesus. We're the ones putting people off Jesus because we as his disciples are talking about things in such a bad way. So when I'm talking this morning about Christians going on about sin, I'm not talking about going on about it badly or unhelpfully. I'm not excusing that or promoting it. So that's the acknowledgement I want to say before I get into it. But I still think Christians should go on about sin. So I like the question. Why? Even though it can be done badly. Let me give you three reasons why Christians go on about sin so much. Like last week, I'm just going to declare the first one. I'm not going to back it up. Uh, You can either trust me or you can do some investigation. I quite like this. I'm going to use this more and more in sermons. Just trust me or you do the work. I quite like it. Uh, We'll delve a little deeper into the second and the third one, but the first one I'm just going to state. So firstly, why are Christians always going on about sin? First reason, because God sets our agenda. Because God sets our agenda. What I mean by that is the good news of Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not my good news. It's not J.B.N.'s good news. It's not the Anglican Church's good news. It's God's good news. Therefore, we don't get to pick what the content is. We don't get to choose what the highlighted parts are. We don't have the liberty to pick and choose which parts we agree with or disagree with, We receive it from God. It's his. We accept it. We then live it and preach it. And he tells us the message. He tells us what we need to focus on and communicate and believe and live. And I want to tell you this morning, if you haven't thought about this before, sin is a central part of the gospel message that is God's. It is an integral component of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it's the only part, but it's right there as one of the central parts of the gospel. When you think of the uh, saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the good news of the Christian faith, sin is an important part of that. And we do a disservice when we try to mute it or distance ourselves from it. There are some Christians who are trying to get people to believe in Jesus without talking about sin. And they, they do that for, the, for good reasons. They don't want to put people off, and they think, well, sin's a bit of a downer, and I don't want to confront, and it's a bit um, kind of controversial, so we won't talk about it. But we've then changed the gospel. We've then changed Jesus' mission. So we have to be careful with it, because Christians can do it badly. But it must be heard, because God tells us it's central, and it's his agenda. We've got to think about that because, as Christians, we sometimes we, we we get out of proportion and we focus on things which are not as important, and we pull away from things which are centrally important. We've got a great way of doing that as as Christians. There are some think about the millennium for a moment, the thousand years. There are some Christians who go on about the millennium all the time. It's only in a few verses in the Scripture. Now, I'm someone who believes if God says it once, it's important. We've got to be thinking about it. Uh, But it's only there once in the Scriptures. But for some people, it goes on and on and on in their Christian walk and their life. And they fall out with others over it. And the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit is a wonderful thing from the Lord. Uh, And it's a great thing for us to have and talk about. But it's only there a few times in the Scriptures. Sin is all the way through Old Testament to New Testament all the way through from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. And it's not just there as a word, it's there in concept all the way through. God's relationship with Abraham and his descendants in Israel has sin as a central part of that, the sacrificial system, the day of atonement, the Lord Jesus Christ coming down under the new covenant, his death on the cross, his sacrifice is to do with sin. It's to do with more than sin, but it's to do with sin. It's so important. We've got to go on... Christians about sin because God says it's important. we got to do it the right way. got to do it thoughtfully, sensitively, pastorally. But to not do it is to think we know better than God and to think we can put the message better than he can. So first reason, I said I was just going to declare it. I feel like I've done more than that. But um, uh, first reason we go on about sin is because it's God who sets the agenda and sin is on his agenda. Second reason we go on about sin all the time is Because the problem of sin is fundamental and devastating. In other words, we go on about sin because it's serious. The problem of sin is fundamental and devastating. A few weeks ago, we were carrying on in our series in the book of Matthew, and I can't remember exactly which passage it was, but my opening illustration was to ask you, what do you think people would say is the greatest problem the world's facing at the moment? And then what do you think it is? And I said, the greatest problem facing the world at the moment is sin, whether they know it or not. I stand by that. It's true. Sin is when we miss the mark. What is sin? It's when we miss the mark. The word in the Greek in the New Testament it talks about missing the mark. You're going for the bullseye, but you hit something out. Uh, you hit something else. Uh, Mal and David spoke about it well in the children's slot. It's when we go against the God who made us and what we were created to be. We were created to be made in the image of God and righteous, just like he's righteous. But there's a corruption to all of us. Uh, it doesn't, it's not saying that we're all totally evil all the time or anything like that, but we're not what we're supposed to be. We go against God and what we were created to be. We all do. Sin is not something that other people struggle with. We all struggle with. This is one of the difficulties of people speaking about sin because they sometimes make it sound like that's certainly something you guys struggle with, not, not all of us. All of us struggle with it. There's a phrase I love in the scriptures, no one is righteous, not even one. All of us, this is the problem we face. But it's not just the problem we face individually. The world that you and I live in, with all its pain and suffering and difficulties, comes as a direct direct correlation from sin. In the Bible, it's really clear that when sin entered the good creation of God, that's the moment everything got corrupted. People sometimes say, if you believe in this God who's so good, why do we live in a world that's full of such misery and suffering? Why did he create such a bad world? He didn't. He created a good world. And the moment sin entered into it is when everything went wrong. It's the moment sin entered the world that our human relationships with each other was became corrupted and characterized by dishonesty, shame, deceit and selfishness. It's when sin came into the world when our relationship with God, the relationship we were made for, became strained and distant. It's when sin came into the world that we lost the stability and security of a safe home. It's when sin entered the world that's when sickness and death came into being. It's when sin came into the world that the creation itself, we're told, started groaning. All the things that plague our world in the big picture... And all the things that plague our lives in the personal picture spring ultimately from the root, the cause of sin. So when you speak to people today and ask them what they think the big problem in the world is, and they talk about something big picture or something significant for themselves, they're talking about the symptoms, not the root cause. The root cause is sin. The big picture things that people might mention. They might mention COVID-19 or racism or climate change or lack of education. Those are the symptoms. The heart of it is sin. All the personal things they might describe, like the loneliness they feel or the guilt that they have or the despair or the discontent or the unhappiness, all spring from sin. Now, it's not that every instance of sickness or tragedy directly comes from a certain cause, but it all ultimately comes from sin. We've got to know that. Even more than that, though, sin doesn't just cause problems in this world and this life. It causes problems in the life and the world to come. The Scriptures warn us about what will happen if we remain in our sin and it's not dealt with, if something isn't done about it. And what awaits us is eternity without God, eternity without God and His goodness and His good gifts. The Bible calls that hell. It's not even worth, it doesn't bear thinking about because it's so awful. Sin is the cause of all these things. Do you see the the gravity of it? The problem, it's fundamental and it's devastating. So when Christians go on about it, we go on about it because we're realists and we actually know what the real problem is and we need the the world to hear it. We know what the source of the problems of the world are and so we want to deal with the source, not just the symptoms. The world focuses on the symptoms. What's the problem? COVID-19. We'll put all our attention on there. But that sorts out maybe COVID-19, we hope, we pray, but it won't sort out the source of all the problems. People sometimes say education is the silver bullet. If you educate people, then we'll be able to sort out everything. Education's not the silver bullet. Education is a wonderful thing. I hope more and more people get educated. But education makes people more educated sinners because it doesn't deal with the wayward heart and the problem of sin. That's not a problem with education. It's just it's not aim to deal with that, the fundamental problem. Technological advancements can bring brilliant benefits to people's live, lives, but in the end all it makes is us more technologically advanced sinners, because it doesn't deal with the root cause. Self-improvement can bring some wonderful positives and good life changes to an individual, but it can't fundamentally change us or fix the biggest problem that we have. Christians go on about sin because it's the cause of the problems we face in this world, and it leaves us in desperate danger for the world to come. The world isn't on the same agenda as us because it doesn't understand the problem. The world doesn't even know how to cope with sin, to be honest. I think, I'm sure the proportions I'm about to give aren't exact, so don't check me up on this. Half the world struggles with sin, personally, because of the guilt and the shame that they feel and their inability to escape the past. Because we've all done things we're ashamed of. We've all done things we know we shouldn't have. And half the world is almost broken by it, burdened by it. The other half seems to be unaware that they have it and they just like to point it out in other people. The world doesn't know how to how to cope with sin. And they, they do that, I'm sure, to make themselves feel better about themselves. I can see the problem in other people. I feel better about myself because I'm, I'm better. I read a great article by Kanishka. Raphael, uh, who's the Dean of uh, Sydney Cathedral during the day, he was talking about the uh, the movement at the moment of people bringing down statues. So we're, we're realising that some of these people have been involved in, in terrible things, so we're dragging down the statues. But he was asking the question, but what about what about the people who drag them down? What have they done? And he said, perhaps none of them have... Because often it's about um, uh, bad working conditions and those sorts of things. Often he, he said, uh, I wonder how many of them have bought trainers or... Um, t-shirts or smartphones made in a factory where the working conditions on the people there were terrible or eaten at restaurants where the employees have no say over the conditions they receive or supported human trafficking by using pornography involving enslaved. We, We become blind to our own complicity and look at others. The world doesn't know how to deal with sin. For some it crushes and weighs down. For some it's denied and pointed out in others. But Christians, we take it seriously. We speak about it because it's the world's greatest need—the world as a whole and an individual as a person. We have a different narrative from the world because we know the truth. I love the series on tough questions because I hope we get on the front foot on some of this. Sometimes, as Christians, we're a bit—we feel defensive. We feel like the world's got all these questions and we've got no answers. The Christian—the Christian worldview. I was trying to say this last week. I have to defend the Bible. I unleash the Bible. It's God's truth about the world. It makes sense. We have the answers here. We understand the narrative, and we tell it to the world, and it makes sense. Don't believe the world's narrative because they're confused and blanket. I thought about this last night. There was a. Um, you may have seen there was a, yesterday there was a march in Auckland protesting the legality of the lockdown. Did people see about it? There was a. Um, uh, a march in central Auckland that was the headline on the online New Zealand Herald website for most of yesterday and it was one of the headlines on One National News. There was 150 people at that protest. Exactly a week ago here in Christchurch there was another protest, the March for Life which was protesting the abortion laws that have come in and the proposed euthanasia bill. I know there were some people in this room and some of our church family who went to that. Good on you for doing that and making a stand in that way. There were well over a 1,000 people at that protest, and I didn't see it mentioned once on the New Zealand Herald website, and I didn't see it on the headlines of New Zealand. one. It was 10 times bigger than the one yesterday, but it wasn't the narrative of the people who were doing the websites that day or the culture around us or don't believe the world's narrative. Know the truth for yourself, and we speak the truth. The media, the government, the culture, this is not a conspiracy theory, I'm just saying, they've all got different agendas, they've all got different issues they think the world should be focusing on and calling out. But they're all symptoms, not the cause. Friends, for Christians, sin needs to be part of the message that we proclaim to the world, because it's the biggest problem we face. And, thinking about my first point, it's not our narrative, it's not our agenda, it's God's agenda. When there's something that causes this much pain, this much destruction, this much agony and damage and so much danger for the future, for the world to come, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be pointed out. It needs to be spoken of and people warned of it and hope the solution pointed to and hope provided. When you misdiagnose, you get the wrong treatment. If I give someone a cough lolly, when they've got pneumonia. They're they're in worse problem. The world misdiagnoses. We don't. So why do Christians always go on about sin? Firstly, because it's God's agenda. He sets the agenda, not us. Secondly, because the problem of sin is so serious. It's fundamental and it's devastating. Thirdly, lastly, we go on about sin so much because not only is the problem so serious, the solution for sin is so wonderful. The solution for sin is so powerful and wonderful because it's Jesus. We go on about sin not because we want to point the finger at other people, not because we like to appear superior or point out the faults and weaknesses in others, not even just because we want this world to be better uh, and people to be able to enjoy life more. We do it because we want people to find Jesus, because Jesus saves us now in this world and for the world to come. And his primary purpose, one of his primary purposes, was to save us from our sin. When Joseph, the man who raised Jesus as his human father, was given the name by the angel, it was Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's Jesus' mission. Luke said that the uh, verses around, can um, uh, we could probably summarize the whole gospel in the five. Is he right? Yes, he is. I agree with Luke. Because the one through there says it's a trustworthy saying that Christ came into the world to save sinners. We do it because we want people to find Jesus. And that was his mission. We want people to know the sweet taste of forgiveness so that in their personal lives, the power and penalty of sin is broken. And so that the world will become a better place and they're okay for the world to come. We want them to know what it is to be forgiven and to taste forgiveness. It's a horrible thing when the past shackles you. It's a wonderful thing when you know the forgiveness that's in the Lord Jesus. We want people not just... And and Jesus doesn't just break the penalty of sin. He pays the price for us. It breaks the power of sin. Once you're a Christian trusting Jesus, you're gifted with the Spirit. That's what the scriptures, now the scriptures talk about Jesus doing more than that. On on the cross he defeats Satan, he wins the victory, he sets us a great example, but fundamental within that is he dies as a sacrifice for sin. This was the reading that um, Milton brought to us from Hebrews 9. It talks about the way that Jesus' death fulfilled the Old Testament sacrificial system. But if you've got your Bible open there, have a look at how it describes Jesus' death. At verse twenty six at the end of the verse, but now he that's Jesus, but now Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's his mission. Keep reading, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he'll appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That talks about the two comings of Jesus, the first time to die on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of many, a second time to bring salvation to those waiting for him. Do you see there twice though it says he sacrificed himself to do away with sin. That's what Jesus does. Or as 2 Corinthians 5:21 famously says it, "He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the solution to the biggest problem we have. Jesus brings forgiveness. He brings the Holy Spirit. He brings a new heart. This is the the cause going, not just the symptom. He brings an assured future. He brings us a new family because we're adopted by God. If we don't go on about sin as Christians, then have we fully understand what Jesus has done for us and how will we be able to explain it properly to others? We have to go on about it. I want you to be really clear this morning. Your biggest problem is sin. And there was no other way for your sin to be dealt with than Jesus dying on the cross. There was no other way for forgiveness to be won for you, no other way for you to be saved, no other way for God's love for you to defeat sin. And so Jesus went to the cross for you and for me to sort this out. We go on about sin because it shows the glory of Jesus Christ. It shows the wonder of our Saviour. It demonstrates the length and the depths of God's love for us. That's why we go on about it. The problem of sin is so insidious and dangerous and the love of God for you and I is so great that the only thing that could happen to sort it out is Jesus himself coming and giving his life for us. So that's what God, the Father, Son, and Spirit did for you and I. What was the second question? Why should I even bother with God? This is why. Because he did this for us. He did this because of our problem of sin. I think Anglicans do really well on sin. I'm going to pat Anglicans on the back for a moment. Sometimes we do it badly because we put the wrong spin on it and things like that. But we have a confession every week. And when we share the Lord's Supper within the the liturgical service, it talks quite a bit about sin. It doesn't do that to make people feel lowly and terrible. Every time the confession happens, we confess our sin. And today it was Luke because he was leading the service. Straight afterwards comes what we call the absolution. But it's the reminder we're forgiven. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we remember it's our sin that meant Jesus had to die, but we remember what it's achieved. We've been forgiven. And so that that memory of sin and speaking sin is really important because it rightly focuses on it, not as a poor me, how lowly I am, downer kind of way, but as a truthful re- reflection of how serious the problem is and a wonderful reminder of how full and perfectly Jesus has solved it for you and I. And so we we leave the service, we hope, encouraged and thankful. There's so much to be said on this really important topic, but I can't. Let me just sum up. I hope the PowerPoint was helpful. Let me sum up. Sin can be spoken of badly by Christians. I do not deny that. I know I've done it myself sometimes. We have to be careful in the way we do it. But it has to be done. We have to do it because God tells us that's his message. And we don't get to tinker with his message. He sets the agenda. We faithfully believe it, live it, trust it, proclaim it. We also do it because it's true. The greatest problem this world faces and the greatest problem every individual in this world has is it comes from sin. Without a solution, sin corrupts and ruins this life and it leaves us without God for the life, the, the, the life to come. We go on about sin because that problem is that bad, but we also go on because the solution is so wonderful and we want people to know it. We want people to know Jesus, that God hasn't just left us with this problem but sent his son as our saviour and our king, the one who's defeated sin and death for all who trust in him. We want people to know Jesus, to receive real life, to receive forgiveness and the spirit, a family and an assured home. That's why we go on about sin. Let me pray. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you haven't left us alone in our condition, but you've given us our wonderful Saviour, the one who's dealt with it, who's made us your children and assured us of our future. Father, forgive us for those times when we speak about it in a way which... uh, it isn't right and when we, we fulfill the stereotypes of judgmental Christians and we pray that it would be a loving heart that motivates us to, to, to talk about sin to others we pray that it's a desire to be faithful to you that motivates us to do it we pray that you'd help us in the words that we use and the tone that we take but we pray that we would do it because we know that through that you draw people to yourself and they come to know your son as their saviour Father we thank you for him We ask that you'd you'd help us in this task, for we ask it in his name. Amen.